0: Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID 19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at LAIS.com, KPCC.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. Joining us from Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, co-chair of the Department of Emergency Medicine, Dr. Sam Torbati. Dr. Torbati, welcome back. Hope you're having a good week so far.
1: Oh, thanks so much. Such a pleasure to be with you and your audience.
0: Well, right now, the uh, CDC um, recommending panel is meeting those advisors uh, to look at Pfizer for use in 5 to 11-year-olds. It's expected they'll recommend the use of the Pfizer vaccine in that age group. It's also expected the CDC will then put out its formal recommendation. I guess shots could go in arms of kids um, before the end of the week here. So, Um, your thoughts about that. And and from what you've seen, does it make sense that it is safe generally for kids to get the Pfizer shot?
1: Absolutely. It's it's quite exciting to see, you know, the process going through again, the same process for all the vaccines are being followed. The safety issues are being considered. The different committees are looking at uh, the safety and effectiveness and the risks and and the benefits. Um, The FDA uh, committee's uh, really, we're very positive, and I have no doubt that the CDC Advisory Committee will also be very positive. The early data f- for the younger age population is very reassuring; that this is very safe and it's very effective. And um, and we're, we're we're looking forward to getting shots in arms of children and, and 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 addressing that population that appears to also be contributing to the pandemic.
0: And uh, does it look like it's it's going to be pediatricians' offices where most parents will take their kids for the shots?
1: I think so. I think the uh, the concept is that uh, we you know that making it easy for for children to get vaccinated is is the trick. So pediatricians' office. There's discussion about even having it be available through schools. Um, certainly, the vaccine environments will continue to, to be available in hospitals and and pharmacies. So I think there'll be a lot of choices to to try to vaccinate as many of these um, you know uh, several millions of of children that are ele- that will be eligible for the vaccine.
0: All right, we have a question from Amy and La Canyada. This is a daily question that we've been getting on the program. Um, is there any data or recommendations from the FDA on using weight versus age for a child COVID vaccine? Um, and as our experts in the past two days have explained, unlike medication, where weight is a significant factor in determining the dosage, when it comes to vaccinations, it has to do with the amount of immune response. And because kids' immune systems are much more responsive than ours are as we get older— that's the reason for cutting the size uh, of the dosage in a child vaccine. It's not that their bodies are smaller. It's that their immune system uh, responds much more. Dr. Turbati, you want to elaborate of anything on what our, our uh, other experts past couple days have said about that?
1: No, that's, that's absolutely correct. And um, the the doses that are going to be authorized are going to be doses that have been studied. So it, it wouldn't be appropriate for, anybody to recommend a dose outside of what has been tested to make sure that it's both safe and effective. And so the doses that, are, that have been studied in the 5 to 11-year-olds are different than the ones 12 and over. And so those are the ones that will be offered. And I think we need to be very cautious to follow the guidelines so that we, we don't underdose, we don't overdose, and we know exactly what the risks and the benefits are for each patient population.
0: Sue in Los Angeles emailed us at atcomments at kpcc.org. I'm over 65. A week ago had my Moderna uh, third shot. Uh, Sue got a full dose because the pharmacist recommended that because of her age. Uh, Sue says she's somewhat concerned because she's having a much longer recovery from the third shot than she did from her second shot of Moderna. Uh, After the second, uh, back in uh, February, she had chills, aches, mild nausea for up to 40 hours and then felt okay. This time, she is still feeling symptoms a full week after the shot. uh, Just wondering about why that might be and if it's any cause for concern.
1: I'm not surprised, but I I also wouldn't be alarmed. Uh, Again, you know, the the reason why a smaller dose was recommended uh, was based on the fact that um, the, the body's immune system, after two doses, is already you know, revved up. And for the most part, a smaller dose is usually required to get the antibody levels way up. So when the body receives a larger dose, it's going to have a larger response, probably a little bit more prolonged, but it should ride itself out.
0: Eight six six eight nine three 893 or you can email us, please include your first name and your location at atcomments at kpecc.org. Uh, no surprise, as we're seeing supply chain problems in all kinds of industries, but uh, the global supply chain clogs are hitting the U.S. healthcare quite hard. Uh, Dr. Torbati, how is it affecting, if it is, Cedar Sinai?
1: Well, I hate to say it. We, we were affected a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I couldn't get crutches for a patient. And I kept asking why, why? And they said the supply was affected. And we're seeing this all, all across the country where periodically different pieces of equipment that are used in hospitals are going on to, sh- on to supply shortages. So how how long this will last, how much this will impact us and what's going to happen is not clear. But clearly the pandemic, even the, the mortality seems to be dropping. We are still experiencing long-term effects of it. And in this case, the supply chain continues to, to get periodically affected.
0: All right. We're talking with Dr. Sam Torbati. He chairs co-chairs the Department of Emergency Medicine at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center 866-893-KPECC. Um, uh, Celia in Pasadena emailed us, my son's in his 30s, just received a Moderna booster after having had a J&J for his first vaccine. He reports both times about an hour later, he felt as if he'd taken a mind-altering drug. Could there be any effect from the vaccines on brain receptors, uh, specifically uh, endocannabinoid receptors?
1: We, we don't have a, a, a huge experience with that, but we, we do know that some patients after vaccines can get some, some neurologic symptoms, so I, I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised, and I wouldn't be alarmed either. These are very short-term. They will pass, and I'm really happy to hear that your son got the, the booster. That's wonderful.
0: All right. Uh, I know that you uh, conducted a, a study at Cedars-Sinai uh, with patients uh, who have particular um, medication that they take uh, for an autoimmune therapy, and, and you looked at what their antibody response was from COVID vaccination. What, what were the findings for those immunocompromised patients?
1: Thanks so much for bringing that up. Yes, my, my colleagues, um, Dr. Melamed and his group, uh, looked at um, sort of uh, the effect of vaccines on patients with inflammatory bowel disease. And as, as you may know, this is very, very common, a group of uh, diseases that cause inflammation in the intestines uh, and illnesses such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And um, unlike patients that are immunocompromised from um, from transplants, even though the inflammatory bowel disease patients are immunocompromised, they discovered that two doses of mRNA series gave them incredibly high levels of antibodies, uh, regardless of whether they were receiving immunocompromising therapies. So it appears that um, just because you have an immunocompromised condition doesn't mean that the vaccines have less effect. And this is wonderful evidence and data to add to our continued understanding of how these vaccines work. And as time goes on, we'll have more and more studies in different patient populations, and we can give more and more personalized guidance around vaccines and boosters and such. Very exciting information.
0: And is is that because of the condition that the patients who went through this clinical trial uh, were dealing with versus transplant recipients? Or is it that uh, those dealing with inflammatory bowel disease received different kinds of 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 drugs, different kinds of therapies that that um, that might suppress the immune system, that then don't seem to have an effect on the effectiveness of the vaccine.
1: You're you're correct. There are some patients with inflammatory bowel disease that are on um, heavy heavy immunosuppressants, anti-TNF therapies, or corticosteroids. And some of the subsequent analysis in, in, in the study suggested that those patients may not mount uh, as much of an antibody response and it may not be as long-lasting. So certainly those would be patients where boosters or, or third shots were, were even more beneficial. And um, the science will continue to grow and, and we'll continue to study this. And we're very engaged in making sure we understand what the best guidance is for, for patients with all kinds of conditions that
0: all right. Dr. Sam Torbati, co-chair Cedars-Sinai Medical Center's Department of Emergency Medicine. We're at 866-893-KPECC. You can also email us with your first name and location, please, at comments at kpecc.org. Always a good chance for you to take advantage of our daily COVID-19 expert. And reminder, in case you tuned in late or you miss any days of our COVID updates, it's now available as a podcast. You can tune in to it. Whenever it's convenient for you, COVID in LA is the podcast. Subscribe to it. It's uh, self-contained, the entirety of our COVID-19 daily update with our expert. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Turbati with us. Again, 866-893-KPCC. Uh, New York Times uh, did uh, a graphic uh, feature looking at who had COVID-19 breakthrough cases, people who were fully vaccinated and and still got COVID or those that were uh, compared to those that were unvaccinated. I don't know, Dr. Torbati, if you've had a chance to look at this, but your thoughts about the findings here?
1: Well, uh, I have looked at the data, and again, it's, it's not at all surprising. You know, when, when you look at breakthrough cases, um, the CDC data from August, you know, showed that unvaccinated were six times more likely to contract the virus. And when you look at the unvaccinated, they were 11 times more likely to die. I mean, this is really powerful, continued information in the setting of the, the Delta surge and the Delta virus that shows that these vaccines are effective, they're important, they're life saving. And uh, we, we just need to continue to, to, to get the message out and continue to talk to people who have hesitancy to help them understand how beneficial this is for them. And when you look at risks and benefits, again, the vaccines are so helpful in reducing risk for illness and death. Um, we, we just need to get more and more people vaccinated and just keep the conversation alive without getting emotional. Just look at the science, look at the data let's use logic.
0: All right. Uh, Let's see. We have Greg in South Pasadena. I'm the parent of a seven-year-old. I've heard some of the AirTalk medical experts say pediatrician's offices would be a place to get the vaccine, but... Our pediatrician said her office wouldn't be doing it because of the cold storage requirement for the Pfizer vaccine, and so Greg, hoping to get some clarity on when the shots might be available, Doctor Torbati, you have anything to share about that? Because I know Pfizer does require the colder storage.
1: Yeah, so you know Pfizer is a little trickier to work with because of the storage issues and. I wouldn't be surprised if many uh, pediatricians' offices just didn't have the, the the staff or the complexity or the environment to to provide it, but but that shouldn't discourage you know your listeners if if they're interested in having their children vaccinated, there will be plenty of opportunities in in pharmacies and, and other environments for them to get the the vaccine.
0: I want to go back to uh, this New York Times analysis of of breakthrough cases. There are a couple of notable findings here or, or trends. Um, unvaccinated seniors are the most likely to die from COVID of any group. But even vaccinated people 80 years of age and older had higher death rates than unvaccinated people under 50. Age is still the top risk factor for vaccine breakthrough deaths, uh, and the thought is because of what's called immunosenescence, or the weakening of the immune system in older people. Dr. Tobati, this would seem to argue then, particularly for those 80 and older, that a booster shot is is extremely important.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Boosters are important 65 and older. Certainly, once once you're over 80, Um, patients that are over 80, their immune system is weakened, the immune response to vaccines doesn't last as long and their response to infection is so much more detrimental to their health. They get far sicker and many patients over 80 have other health conditions. So once they develop lung complications, then other illnesses come in, their hearts begin to fail, they develop stroke, then, then the death rate goes super high. So, uh, you know age by far remains the biggest risk factor so you know as we all get more mature it's far more important for all of us to stay on top of our health for everything not just covid but with covid we have ability to prevent it vaccines boosters and you know with with help from yourself and 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 the and all of folks who put out all this important information. I'm hopeful that the community and society can stay up to date and protect their health.
0: Dr. Tobadi, thank you so much for being with us again today. We always appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to share your expertise and to talk with listeners. Have a terrific rest of your week. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAS.com, at kpecc.org or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle.